Welcome to Cannell and Bell, everybody. As you can see, we are not Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Tommy Tran and world <laughs> champion Will Middlebrooks joining me here. Will, here to talk some baseball and a lot to unpack here this hour. But let's just start with last night before we get to tonight. My goodness, uh, you are Nostro. Whittle books talking about Pete Alonzo. The dude came through and look, he came through and, and wanted. So I, I want to give you props for that. But boy, uh, tell me watching that home run derby had to be exciting, right? You know, I watch this every year. I don't think I've ever missed it. And even as a player, when I was playing, I would enjoy watching this. And I was on the edge of my seat several times last night. I, I just have to feel like even as a fan, if you're not a huge fan of baseball and you happen to watch that last night, you had a good time and you enjoyed yourself. There was a lot of talent being showed. Balls juiced, whatever. I don't care if they're hitting racquetballs, golf balls, whatever. That was fun to watch. And just the sheer competition with the money, you know, the money aspect of it was really cool. We'll get to the topic of perhaps juice balls a little bit later on from, from a guy that's going to be pitching in tonight's All-Star game. And as we take a look at the bracket, again, this was a youthful bracket. Some rookies here. Obviously, Christian Yelich, the reigning NL MVP, dealing with a back injury. So, Matt Chapman, thanks for playing, by the way. You yeah, come in and you get five year old junior dropping the 29. You were talking about how you, you know, as a player, you know what it's like and how tough it is for some of these guys. And even the teammates on the field, you know, some of the swings are taking aback, they're leaning back. And, and, and when you look at how these youngsters are, are swinging the bat these days, and we talk a lot about launch angle and exit velo and all those, those other things, what stands out to you about some of these young guys and the way they swing the bat? 100% the consistency at which they're able to lift the ball, backspin the ball, and hit it at a really high Exit velocity, you know, all these new stats, exit velocity. It's a big thing now. So swings are built for the home run now, for slugging, for doubles, triples, home runs. Singles days are over. And, you know, you hear a lot of guys complaining about it, a lot of people, fans complaining about small ball being gone. It's boring. It's too many home runs, too many strikeouts. But then there's the other crowd that says, this is exciting. I'm going to go to a game. I'm not going to a game to see them drop a sack punt down. Uh, poke a ball through the four hole. I want to see a 500 foot homer. To your point, our guy, Matt Snyder, he's a MLB writer for us, CBSSports.com. He's out in Cleveland covering the, the all-star game. He interviewed Joey Gallo and he actually tweeted out, if I'm correcting here, said Joey Gallo pretty much admitted that he's hitting a home run every time. And we know people joke about Joey Gallo in the shift and why doesn't he go the other way? But, but the Texas Rangers slugger's like, man, no, I'm going for gold. How refreshing is it to hear? Are there more players that feel that way? Maybe they just don't express it publicly? Yeah. I don't know if like, their full intent is like in their mind and their plan and their approach to the plate is to hit a homer. But it's when you're 6'5", 250, 260, it's really – he got to 100 homers before he got to 100 singles in his career. Yeah. Think about that. Like he's just that big and strong. Guys are – the strength and conditioning programs nowadays are so good. And then you mix in just natural size and strength. Guys don't hit the ball soft anymore unless they break their bat. And you got guys breaking bats and hitting homers too. So one thing I gotta give baseball credit for, and it's funny because we talk about how the NBA is a little bit more progressive as a league, or maybe the the willingness to change things. Right. It's been tough for them to tweak and adapt and change the slam dunk contest. I mean, and and the premise of it makes it a little bit tougher, but. 
baseball deserves a lot of credit for for creating a clock, the bonus balls, Absolutely. the bonus time, the the urgency, the mano y mano type thing. And, and again, you you watched a bunch of these home run derbies last night. Again, was sort of the perfect storm of of all the young players and the way the formats together, isn't it? One hundred percent. This was so much more fun to watch in the old days. You know, you had like the Mark McGuire's and at Fenway in '99. Like that's the one that sticks out to me the most. Is but those days are over where everyone's attention span is so much shorter nowadays. If you were to watch that now, you would be so bored. You would be so bored with it, right? It's just slow moving, slow developing. And now it's like you have the clock. All right, can he get his bonus to get an extra 30 seconds? These guys are dying out there on the field. They're so <laughs> tired. Like they have, like he has two minutes left and they get this call timeout, which is good because they're, they were so tired. At a certain point, I'm like, there's no way he finishes this round. And they rattle off 10 more home. It was a great battle back and forth between Jock Peterson and Vlad Guerrero Jr. A lot of people, again, uh, know Vlad Guerrero, one of the best minor league prospects coming on. Hadn't really hit in the majors, um, popping just yet, but we're reintroduced for those others introduced for the very first time. What stood out to you about this mano mano matchup? Well, Vladdy Jr. is a one-of-one talent, in my opinion. I think he'll come into his own in the big leagues right now. There's just that transition phase where he pitchers are learning him. It's a cat-and-mouse game. It's back, back and forth. He's trying to figure out his approach and who he is as a player. But I felt like he literally hit a home run every swing he took last night. It's like he would miss balls, and you could tell by the sound. It wouldn't be as loud. He'd miss it, and it'd still be 10 rows out. So it's just he grew up around the game. He grew up around the best players in the game. His dad was always an all-star game, so he was always going to these things. He's comfortable there. It was just it wasn't a big deal to him to yeah. go out and just hit 500 foot home. And there's uh, Pops there with the tweet, El Muchacho Tiene Poder. <laughs> Translated, big boy has power. Yeah, I've been practicing. Uh, and so it was great to see. And, again, we're taking a look at the comparisons for those listening on, on the pod format here. Vlad Sr. versus Vlad Jr. Uh, father had taken part in the 2007 Home Run Derby. <laughs> Couldn't hold the candle to Jr. My goodness, look at those numbers. And the crazy thing is he, he, he amounted to all of those home runs and uh, wasn't able to win. Because, again, your guy Pete Alonzo stole the show. And it's great because another thing that they changed with the format is increasing the prize money. And since we have young guys, we have a lot of rookies, obviously, making about 500K, so maybe doubling their salary with it. That's a nice little juicy carrot in front of you to try to go out and win that thing, right? Half of the crowd, I mean, half of the the field were rookies or young guys making league minimum. So that's a lot of money. You go from making 500 to all of a sudden you're making 1.5 on the year. And Alonzo was cool. You know, he he was... Very, very excited, but he's also giving to two different charities. He was given fifty grand to each charity. That's really cool. Rocking the swag. He, he had the yeah. chain around his neck. Oh yeah. Now you look really smart today because you picked Pete Alonso yesterday. Again, remind everybody what you liked about him and, and why you um, picked him as your winner. So now post playing games for me. Obviously, I'm doing stuff here at CBS, but I'm also coaching hitting on the side. And a lot of the things that I teach. He naturally does. I don't know his story. I don't know if he made big swing changes in the past, but whatever he does now is it's textbook to what everyone teaches now and everyone wants as far as your bat playing, being in the zone as long as possible, getting a lot of energy loaded into your backside, and it, it produces like a coil effect and just a lot of power to the baseball. And he's exactly that. And just his pure strength. The guy's a beast. I mean, he's just, he looks like a football player. There's a couple teams in New York that could probably use him playing linebacker. Yeah. And he, uh, doesn't lack confidence, by the way. I remember 
earlier this year as a rookie. I think like him and I think like the Mets had played the Padres and remember I think was it Chris Paddock it was or Paddock. Paddock won the award or something, right? And then the like, Sheriff, right? Yeah, oh. and, and yeah <laughs> and Lonzo was like he did not uh hold back in terms of saying I, I think I belong in that form and, yeah. and lo and I behold think Alonzo's later. year has gone a little better. Paddock exactly. got, got sent down to triple A. He's back now, I believe, but right. Yeah, things kind of shifted in that. Isn't that funny how it works where Alonzo feels like he got a little shortchanged and then here he is in the, in the all-star right. uh, festivities stuff. And you mentioned Paddock already kind of having a, a ups and downs in terms of minor leagues back to the majors. So we've talked about a couple of the big guys and, and the standouts that, that came from last night's home run derby. And that was certainly something that we'll be talking about going into the all-star game. We also have something kind of newsworthy where you have Justin Verlander um, talking about Quote, Major League Baseball turning into this game into a joke. He added a, an expletive there as well that I will refrain from saying. But basically he said, quote, it's a bleeping joke. MLB's turning this game into one. They own Rawlings. You've got Manfred, the commissioner, up there saying it might be uh, the way they center the pill. They own the blank company. If any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company, the product changed dramatically. It's not a guess as what to happen. We all know what happened. Manfred, the first time he came in, what do you say? He said, we want more offense. All of a sudden, he comes in. The balls are juiced. It's not coincidence. We're not idiots, end quote. Will, this is coming from the guy who's going to be starting the game tonight for the American League. I feel like I should stand up for this. (laughs) Can I get a mic stand? Just center yourself. Jeez, man, come on. Uh, Name me... Two or three other guys that could get away with this. You can't. I guarantee if I put you on a clock, since we're talking new format here, yeah. I don't know if you can come up with three guys that could get away with this without being pulled into a meeting with the commissioner and your team president or GM or fined. I could give you two. I could give you Mike Trout and Max Scherzer, but here's the caveat. They would not say that, right? So Scherzer's border. He's on the okay. fence. Trout, I don't even know if he would – Say it out loud at his home. So, so strictly like guys that could get away with it if they said it, those two come to mind for me. Yeah. But I agree. But I don't think either one would actually say it. Oh. So that's the thing. Yeah, and Verlander's just... come off now kind of on a, in a, in a position again. Remember, right? He's, he's on a good team, a, a former World Series team, and he makes a lot of money. He's only 33 million this year. Um, you know, <laughs> but look, he, he's the pitcher. You spent your life as, as a hitter. I, I, how frustrating is it when, when a guy like him is, is, is talking though? Well, he's had an amazing career. This is a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. But these comments are not Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking nothing away from him and his physical ability as a pitcher because he's one of the best to ever do it. But this is, this is, these are trash comments, in my opinion. Are the balls juiced? Who knows? Strikeouts are also at an all-time high. Which nobody, no one's out very often that, about that except conversation. Except for fans right? who are saying the game is boring. It's a home run or a strikeout. But it's, it's, you don't see a hitter saying, well, the balls are tighter, so the spin rate's higher, your breaking balls are tighter, your fastballs are spinning more, so they're staying at the top of the zone, I'm swinging and missing. You don't see anyone talking about that. But it's it's a guy who is no longer an anomaly. He's 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 not a guy that is a rarity and stands out and throws fastballs past everyone anymore. Now, now everyone throws hard. Everyone's trying to lift the ball. There's going to be more home runs. And we're looking at a graphic here that, you know, look, we're on pace here in 2019 to really shatter the home run record in a single season by more than 550 home runs. I've done segments on CBS Sports HQ where I think 
There are like six to eight teams that are on record to set their franchise record in single season home run marks. The Twins are on pace to shadow the Yankees, yeah. who the Yankees last year we thought uh, was going to have to set that for a while. But we have talked about the reasons why, right? And, and, and obviously the conversation here is around whether the ball is juiced, but we just talked about how these young players now are, are going for it a little bit more. The launch angle, right. everything that they're going for, which is why we're seeing more strikeouts and more home runs. Right. I do want to ask you, though, so, like, take me through every level of baseball you've ever been to, right? So, obviously, as a youth, high school, and then you get to, to the minors and even the majors. Like, the difference in balls, every day you get out there, can you tell if I'm just messing with it? Big league balls are different. Okay. They are different. They're different from, and now AAA uses a big league ball. This is the first year they've done that, and their home runs are ridiculous too. But the, they're tighter. The seams are smaller because they're pulled tighter. So, yeah, the balls are harder in the big leagues. I don't know if they're different from three years ago to this year. I have no idea. I, haven't, I have no scientific backup to that. I have no idea. But I do know from a, a high school ball to a minor league ball to a big league ball, they progressively get harder and tighter, and the seams are smaller because of that. But um, – yeah, I mean, the the big league ball definitely goes further. But I, like I said, I don't know if over the past couple of years if it's changed. So let's end with this here. So there's a change in when we've seen a change in home runs, the amount of home runs, and, and how it's impacted the game. Simply put, what we're seeing right now, good or bad for baseball? I think it's good for the game. People are getting bored with baseball. Less people are going to games. That shows. Attendance is down. Viewership's down. Singles and hit and runs and bunt plays are not going to bring back people. They want excitement. People, like I said earlier, their attention span is very short. So someone hits a home run, the lights are flashing, fireworks are going off. It's going to get your attention. Bright lights, flashy things. Ooh, you know, it's, it's going to get gonna, you off your phone too. If you're at the game, 100%. you think a guy like Pete Alonzo's coming up, he might hit a home run. Therefore, I may say off the gram a little bit, yeah. say off Twitter a little bit. I agree. So. Jim Bowden, by the way, who's at the All-Star Game Card, he's also saying that it was good for baseball that we're seeing some of this. So, you know, we'll wait and see uh, if the numbers continue. And, and really, if anyone complains outside of Justin Verlander, uh, let us know on CBS Sports HQ, and we can kind of bring you up and talk about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Tommy Tran here holding it down. And time to welcome in our guy, Tim Doyle, Northwestern great. Tim, how you doing, man? Feeling good, Tommy. What's up? Feeling good. You're looking good, as always. Let's talk some association in the time that I got you here. And there's news out, and I don't know if it's really news, let's be honest. LeBron James in a point guard spot. He's been the point forward for his entire career, but the way that the Lakers have it constructed, you're looking at a potential starting lineup of LBJ at the PG spot. You got Danny Green at the two, Kuzma at three, Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins, a Pels reunion. What are your thoughts here on, on LeBron taking over the starting point guard gig? 
you know, LeBron's going to be 35 years old this upcoming December. And I have said this for a long time. He could play until he's 44, 45 years old if, now big if, if he posts up. You know, it's so funny that he plays now at the Lakers because as you watch Magic towards the later part of his career, you know, they ran their offense through him, but it was on the block. Like, LeBron makes the game more difficult on himself. Nothing is harder in the world than dribbling out to half court, looking at your defender, all 10 guys watching you, and then trying to score. That's where he needs to be. Check out the video there, like in that elbow, in that 10-foot range. Like, he's such an exceptional athlete. At some point, Tommy, he's going to get old. Like, at some point. I don't know when. I don't think it's going to be next season. But at some point, he's not going to have this, like, freakish athleticism but if he starts to post up i'm not kidding he could be like how tom brady is to the nfl lebron could play till he's 44 45 years old two years ago in cleveland he averaged over nine assists a game he's averaged over seven assists a game over the course of his illustrious career but he's got to do something he has to post up it's almost like he refuses to accept that he's six foot eight 270 pounds like get your butt on the block make the game easier for yourself michael did it towards the end of his career magic did it towards the end of his career kobe did it towards the end of his career if lebron decides to post up the lakers can run their offense through him but that's up to lebron you say a big if in terms of LeBron's longevity lasting into possibly age 40, but you brought it up as well, which is a can he do it? Is he willing to do it? How willing is a player like LeBron James who likes to be a facilitator to just say throw in the block and be like MJ and create that patented turnaround jumper that's nearly unguardable? Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say it, easy for you to say it, but now you have a coach on the sidelines telling LeBron what to do. You know, I've talked to LeBron's high school coach a bump, a bunch, Keith Dambrot. He's now the head coach of Duquesne. And he's been pretty frank with me as far as when they have conversations, he tells LeBron, like, dude, you got to post up once in a while. Like, it's hard to tell LeBron to do anything because, let's be honest, coaches are playing by LeBron's rules. So easy for us to say it. I think LeBron has to recognize that the game could be a lot easier if he just plays in that 10 to 15 foot radius. Think about his game. He doesn't really have like a post up, right? He doesn't have that like patented fadeaway like Kobe or Michael. He doesn't use that brute straight. Like as he gets older, if he develops that part of his game, I'm not kidding. I think he can play until he's like 45 years old. And really it comes down to end of games and in the playoffs. What's your five going to be on that court? And it'll be interesting to see if what we laid out with Boogie and AD and Kuz and Danny Green and LeBron will actually be that lineup down the stretch. Let's move on to sort of the reports out there. Adrian Wojnarowski saying the Miami Heat have expressed interest in potentially bringing Russell Westbrook in, obviously with Paul George going to the Clippers and the Sam Presti regime amassing all of these picks. It, it, it seems like they're really close to going full reset here. What's your thought on a potential Jimmy Buckets, Russell Westbrook tandem out in South Florida? It's intriguing. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a dog. Say what you want about him. The guy is tough as nails. I remember you know, he was on the Bulls when I lived in Chicago, and I've drank many nights with Jimmy Butler. He's actually a lot of fun to go out with. But he was the last guy on that bench. Literally, he was the last player on the Bulls. And he worked and he worked and he worked into one of the best two-way players in the NBA, an NBA All-Star. He went out there. 
and got paid and deservedly so. Now, how many years does he have left off those tires? That's interesting because he played for a guy like Tom Thibodeau. A lot of tough minutes. He's a grinder. I think Philadelphia made a mistake by not signing him. Hats off to Pat Riley and his crew down in Miami. Bringing in a solid, a, a, a legit two-guard who could get you big buckets down the stretch. I mean, that's his nickname. Now, combining him with Russell Westbrook, you know, how can I say that's going to work? It didn't work with Durant. It didn't work with Harden. It didn't work with Paul George. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I love Russell Westbrook. I think that he plays hard every single night. Twice he's won the All-Star MVP. Once he's won the NBA MVP. He's averaged triple-doubles in multiple seasons. But right now, Russell Westbrook, and we all have friends like this, he's the last guy at the club. Like, everyone's gone home, and Russell's like, nah, 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 I'm cool. Like, he's the one just still, like, at the party by himself, like, still trying to mix it up, still trying to get those dance moves out there. But now, like, you know, he's Amelia Earhart. We all know what happened to Amelia Earhart. Tommy, please tell me you know who Amelia Earhart is. Yes, I've, I've paid attention in my history classes, so I'm there with you with the Amelia Earhart reference there, Tim. Uh, before I get to sort of what potentially Russell Westbrook could get in return, the team that uh, is trading for him, because you're talking about two alphas, right? And you talk about two guys that, that like to be the guy, and it's funny because Russell Westbrook spent his entire career in OKC, but he's changed so many parts around him. Jimmy Butler's changed teams and changed parts, and now he's found his home in Miami. Who do you think would have to blink first? Who do you think would, would have to be Robin first if, if indeed they are together? Yeah, you got to think a guy like Eric Spolstra is going to be able to at least communicate to those guys because he's had superstars in the past, talking about when he had the big three with LeBron and Wade and Bosch. Like he had those guys eventually buy in, and we watched the changing of power, right? It was D Wade's team. They kind of let it be LeBron's team. They went out there and won a couple of championships together. So if anybody could do it, a guy like Pat Riley, who's had superstars, whether it's Magic or Kareem, or a guy like Spolstra, maybe he can get the best out of them. I think fortunate for them, Tommy, wouldn't you must much rather be in the East than the West? So I think in the Eastern Conference, Russell Westbrook, yeah, anything could happen. I could see them getting to an Eastern Conference final. All right, so I just see that you acquired that lovely scarf, and, and really I think you got it for nothing. Uh, Russell Westbrook, if he leaves OKC, they will get something back in return, but it's interesting what that might actually be. What, what do you think a fair market value for Russell Westbrook, given his contract, would command? What do you think Sam Presti's looking for here? Yeah, I put the scarf on because Amelia Earhart in her last trip, that's what she did. She threw her scarf over her shoulder and she took the plunge, never to be found again, okay? Will Russell Westbrook ever win an NBA championship? Um, I think that's a huge question. I mean, the guy's been an amazing individual talent. But isn't time kind of up in OKC? I mean, they gave it a heck of a run. We're talking about 10-plus years with Westbrook at the point. And now you're starting to look at, like, the Chicago Cubs, the Boston Celtics, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, like, they're building up all these draft picks, like great run. And that's what you got to do in sports. Like you got to rebuild. So you have a guy that has tremendous value, but he is a lightning rod. Like you said, Tommy, you bring him in. I think you have to just give him the keys because he's going to dominate the basketball. He's going to shoot you in and out of games. He plays so hard every night. That's why I think you have to take the risk. If you're a team like Miami, see if he gets you back to an Easter conference final, maybe an NBA final, but I think it's over in OKC. 
you got to wave the white flag and move on. You had a great run, but now all of a sudden you have to start that rebuilding phase. Over under this year for the Thunder, 39 and a half wins. I like way under because at the end of the season, I don't expect Russell Westbrook to be a Thunder. Couple more minutes left here with Tim Doyle. By the way, you can catch him, uh, nightly on Sportsline and again joins us every once so often here on HQ. Does a great job for us, um, breaking things down in, in an entertaining like fashion. And let's end Ruth quickly with the Bucks. The Bucks are like going like this brotherly route, whether it's the Lopez twins and now they're bringing Giannis's brother. I think he's got like a few brothers that play ball, obviously. So Thanasis onto Dacumpo, a two year deal, been playing out. Uh, in Greece right now. You have been high in the Bucks. We just did a segment on, on CBS Sports HQ. What are you thinking here? They lose Malcolm Brogdon. They keep Middleton. Again, some smaller pieces essentially keeping that core together. What are your thoughts out of Milwaukee? Yeah, if you're Milwaukee, you're doing everything right. You have two more years of Giannis at $52 million. It seems like a bargain. I mean, it's got to be kind of hard for Giannis to go out there and play with Chris Middleton knowing he's making... million more a year, but this is it. This is the window right now for Milwaukee. And as far as keeping him long-term, I don't know. You know, LA, New York, all the major markets are going to be selling that, hey, Giannis, we can expand your brand. You know, first of all, I think he needs to drop the last name. Just become Giannis. It just sounds like a, a fragrance, doesn't it, Tommy? Oh, spray on a little Giannis and then go out for the night. Like, I think he needs to have Giannis on his jersey. I think more people would buy his jersey if the last P and O didn't like run off onto your shoulder because his last name is so long. Um, I think that's going to be really hard to keep him. So his frustration could boil over in the next two years if they don't win an NBA championship. He's going to be like, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to go team up with somebody else. That's what everyone's doing. So I don't think he's going to stick it out in Milwaukee if they don't win. And I think the organization recognizes that. So what are they giving him? Whatever he wants. Oh, you want Chris Middleton? Sure, we'll pay him $30-plus million a year. You want your brother on the team? No problem. Like, if you're a part of Giannis's circle right now, you can get whatever you want. And Giannis knows that, so he's using that leverage from the Bucks to get whatever he wants. And rightfully so, because let's be honest, Milwaukee, it's Algonquin for the good land. You know what it's not Algonquin for? Getting free agents to go to Milwaukee because no real good free agents want to go to Milwaukee. So I'll go up there for Summerfest. I'll drink some summer shandies. But if I'm a free agent, I'm not going to Milwaukee. So I appreciate what the Bucks did right now. They realized that the window is the next two years. Let's push all in. Let's go try to win a championship. And right now, they're my favorite next season to win an NBA title. All right, Bucks with the best odds in the East and the second best odds in the entire NBA. Tim Doyle joining us for a few minutes here. Tim, you the man, man. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you. See you, Tommy. Welcome back to Canel and Bell, bringing back in world champion Will Middlebrooks here to talk about tonight's all-star game. So we talked about the home run derby and how it's sort of reformed itself. And this year, the American League's kind of got the National League by the throat. But I got to tell you, Will, when you take a look at the lineups, the National League has an American League-esque um, you know, card in front of them. Right. What, what are some of the things you're looking at for tonight? Uh, well, yeah, this is the first time in a while I feel like it's it's almost like a pick you know. It's, it's almost feels pretty even because it's been just like the the bangers on on the American League the last few years. It's just bashers, yeah. whatever you want to call them, and they just they always dominate. So yeah, th- these lineups are really good with the, with the Yelich, with the Bellinger, 
Bell. I mean, the numbers that are that have been put up by the National League players this year are like video game numbers. Yeah. Especially Bell. He's at 84 RBIs, man. I would take that in a full season. <laughs> full season. He's got it at the halfway mark. And then not to be outdone, the American League, of course, uh, features a lineup that has Mike Trout and J.D. Martinez, an Astros, three of them to be exact, with Springer, Bregman, and then Michael Brantley, who kind of surprisingly for me kind of snuck in here. And then you've got Justin Verlander. So H-Town well represented. The Yankees are also there. When you look at the exhibition format, can you put your finger on why the AL's been so good? I mean, it, I mean, it's kind of hard because every game's different. But then you look at it, and they won, was it six or seven in a row? Yeah, AL lineups have always traditionally been built differently. They, they, they're built for more power, more slugging, because you don't have the pitcher in the lineup. You don't have an eight-hole, which gets walked a lot because of the pitcher, so you need speed there. So the lineups are just built differently. There's an extra guy, there's a DH that is just going to be – a guy that's going to mash because he doesn't have to play defense. So it's just it's built differently than a National League lineup strictly because you, you, you need more power. Who do you think wins tonight, and who's your MVP pick? Ooh, put me on the spot. Because you want Pete Alonzo, so now you got to go I three for three. stop while you I'm ahead. Stop, actually. You, you're <laughs> straight up Pete Alonzo, but if I've got a pin you want, or which one do you feel better about? I'm going to say Arnato. Okay. Nolan Arnato. like Nolan Arnato. I, I like him a lot. He's such a good player. I I wanted to say Bregman, but he won it last year, and I just doubt that they give it to the same guy twice in a row, regardless of how good of a game he has. So we take a look at the MVP odds there. You're taking a look at Nolan Otto, not 18-1. That's really good value. You know, when we look at it's interesting that the pitchers are even up there, even though they're not going to be up for very long. So let me just tell you, don't put money on Hinjin Ryu or Justin Verlander. Uh, If you want to put money on them, just give it to me or Will. You're probably going to have a better chance (laughs) of getting some of your money back. We do have on that list uh, Trout, of course, Javi Baez, Bellinger's on there, and Yelich. And that segues into this conversation about the sport of baseball, the league of Major League Baseball, and who... Rob Manfred should target and say, man, these are guys that we should build the game around. Now, there's a campaign out there with video. You know, obviously the term let the kids play. There's there's a backstory, an origin story of Javi Baez, of Mike Trout. There's kind of this nice mano-a-mano thing with Bellinger and Yelich. Again, you've played the game. You, you know what it's like. What does this do to the sport in trying to increase some of exposure and gain more fans? It's good. And there's there's been a lot of pressure to market certain players more specifically Mike Trout because he's just such a simple guy. I got to know him really well. When I played in the Arizona Fall League in 2011, we lived together and he's just a, I mean at the time he was just a baby. He was a kid, he was like 19 years old. He just wants to play Madden. He wants to play any video game. He wants to eat candy. I'm sure he's cleaned it up a little bit since. Yeah. You know, body of a god, but um, he's just so simple. He loves his hometown. He loves his close friends and family, and, and that's it. He's a simple guy, and I don't know if he can be who they want him to be. I just, I just don't know if he can, if he can be that. He's, he's, he's come out and said multiple times, "I'm just going to be me because this is who I am." And I think the back of his baseball card speaks enough for him to be the face of the game. He loves weather, by the way. I'm sure a lot of Mike Trout fans know he's probably going to be a weatherman when he's done <laughs> right. playing baseball. And he actually already does some some fill-in work outside of his day job, which he's very good at. He's decent. There's always that argument, too, right? Like, you see the emergence of, let's just say, you know, Pete Alonso for the Mets, Aaron Judge for 
the Yankees, and I covered Aaron Judge at, at college at Fresno State, and he's you know he's been the same guy. He just happens to be in New York. And Such a good blew guy. Blew up, right? Yeah. Blows up because he's in New York, and obviously Mike Trout's in L.A., but he's in Anaheim. Right. You know, there's that old argument if the, he was in a big if he played for the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox, he's going to be the same guy. But do you think his profile changes? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. When you're on a a team that's contending every year, that's an extra month that people get to watch you play. And the extra month that you're in the, the headlines on, in every newspaper and website and it's just more, uh, you're just, you're just more popularity, I guess. Not, yeah. Not that he needs it, but. Cause you've played ball on the East Coast and I'm from the West Coast. Look, I love sports, but the way they, they, they manage sports and the way the fandom is, it's not even close to where it's in the East, right. especially the Northeast, right? I mean, obviously, you know, well, Boston, right. New York, Philly. Oh, yeah. The way they, they live and die by their sports. Yeah. In the West Coast, you live and die by, Geography, like right? You have such it's it's just beautiful <laughs> land, and you're at the beach and this. On the East Coast, it's it's the big old historic cities, which are amazing. But you go to work, and then you go home, and you root for your team, or you go to the game. I remember growing up, and even now in adult age, Crook and Kipe for the Giants, one of the best uh, announcing teams they've got in baseball. You know, they always just say, "Yeah, you know, fans on the East Coast love their sports like they're God. Midwest fans love their sports like their wives or husbands, and then." West Coast fans love them like their children, so it's kind of like, all right, well, you want a loss, but it's okay. And so, you know, I, I think that on. really holds it's true, right? Yeah, yeah. You've, and you've played from coast to coast to yeah. know that stuff. Mm-hmm. Then there's Trout's one guy, but again, again, they're trying to market guys like Bias, who's flashy. You know, I would put Alex Bregman on there, Bryce Harper, obviously. Right. So there's guys that want to be high profile, not afraid to, to talk about it, but the sport right. of baseball makes it tough. Then, I mean, you're talking about a nine month grind, and even when you're in the off season. How tough is it to kind of get yourself out of a bubble and 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 be with the likes of NFL guys or NBA guys? Yeah, it's really tough. And then, like you said, like you are a home off day where you have nothing to do in your hometown or your home city at the time. It's very rare. It happens once or twice a year. Most of those days you're traveling coast to coast, or you're in a hotel somewhere, and you want to totally disconnect and do nothing, let your body recover. The last thing you're thinking is. Let me go, go get out in the public eye and market myself to build my brand. When really all you're thinking is, I want to let my body recover so I can build my brand on the field. You know, so that's tough. And, and, and the MLB is doing their best right now. And I feel like they're picking the right guys who are personable and social and good role models for kids. I feel like they've done a good job of picking the right guys. Now it's just elaborating on that and, and doing it more. If you're saying doing more, and let me just say, like, let's just say I'm going to magically give you an internship with Rob Manfred or make, make you a special advisor for, for a day. What are some of the things you would want to maybe do to try to heighten that a little bit? Um, well, a lot of these guys already have foundations. They already have char- a lot of charity work they do. You saw last night with the Home Run Derby with Alonzo, you know, giving 50 grand to a couple different, uh, charities for Wounded Warriors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think staying active in charity work and in the communities, just getting out and being visible to people because a lot of these guys are made out to be gods, like superheroes, not real people, and to just humanize them a little bit. Take Go out in the public and do things with, with the regular people, the civilians. So one more thing, kind of wrap things up here, which I think part of it is a product that you and I are getting a little bit older, but... The youth movement, as evident from the Home Run Derby, there's a lot of these new kids, let's just call them that, which are really adults, but 20-somethings, 
baseball is in good hands, right? You got Ronald Cunha Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and you've got you know Pete Alonso and you've got some good young arms that are coming up. So what do you see baseball right now in terms of that youth movement and how much you know baseball fans can look forward to having some really good stuff on the field? I, th- I think it's in a really really good spot. I think it's I think it's in the best place it's been in a decade. I mean it, these guys are going to be really good big leaguers and all-stars for the next 10 to 15 years. And by the time they get there, the I think a lot of this goes to show you how good scouting and coaching and all that is, even at like little league to high school levels now. People are, it's the internet age, you know, so you can get on YouTube and find the same drills that big leaguers do. And you can start doing those with kids at the age of six if you want. So kids are just developing faster. They're better. You look at the kids in the draft this year, their swings are – you look at my draft and look at guys' swings, they're good swings, but they're not as advanced as these kids are nowadays. And it's just – I think that's what's playing into the younger guys in the big league because they're ready sooner. I listed a few guys that I think obviously people are looking out for. We talked about Mike Trout already. Uh, how about guys like – and they're a little bit older, but still very young in their mid twenties. Bellinger and Francisco Lindor. I mean, how how juiced up are you about kind of their future prospects? In these the- are these are guys that should also be face of the game. Bellinger's in L.A., a huge market. Um, you know, completely different from across town where Trout is. Mm-hmm. It's just much. You watch the games. Watch 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 who's sitting by the on deck circles at these games. They're Denzel Washington's, J Lo, like. People go to these games to be seen because it's a huge market and people watch. So Bellinger doing what he's doing this year, putting together triple crown numbers, you know, like monster year. He's he's already, he's this, I mean, he's a young guy and he's already having his second all-star appearance. So, uh, and then Lindor, you know, baseball is such a big deal in the Latin countries for him being from Puerto Rico, like really gives that Latin influence to it and is going to be such a good role model for those kids growing up with nothing, saying baseball's my way out. Who do I look to? And that he's such a good role model for those kids. So we got Lindor, who gets paired up with Jose Ramirez. They've had that great infield out in Cleveland, although this year it looks like their their success in the division will come to an end. It's not over yet, but the Twins are certainly... They're looking good in the wild card. Though. Yeah, they are looking good in the wild card. The Twins, obviously... Uh, we mentioned hitting bombs like it's going out of style. It certainly has to do with that. Let me go back to Bellinger real quickly. And, and I, you know, he is again a young player who's had a few seasons under his belt. And you're talking about the Dodgers who seemingly put out rookies of the year like it's old hat. Like, I mean, you talk about Peterson and then even Seeger and, and Bellinger. Now he did go through a, a bit of a regression, you know, a bit of a lull. Call it the sophomore slump, whatever you want to call it. But as you mentioned, he's kind of back to being not only an all-star, but an MVP candidate and perhaps on a historic run in terms of the triple crown. What have you seen out of Belly when they joke about the belly bombs and everything that he's <laughs> doing that, that that's turned it around? Because baseball is a game of adjustments, but what stands out to you about what he's been able to do? You nailed it on the head. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's all about making adjustments. He had his really good first year, and then the pitchers went, okay, let's look at his stats in a hole. How can I beat him? What beat him? Okay, we're going to attack that. So they attacked it all his second year, sophomore year. Got crushed, and they just did it and did it and did it until he made a change. He made an adjustment. Now look where we're at. That, that's where that's what separates the just average okay big leaguers to superstars is adjustability, which can make you more consistent because everyone has the athletic ability. It's the major leagues. You're the best, the best in the world at, at what you do. 
But the mental adjustability, the mental strength is what separates the best players. It's crazy. We live such in an analytical world. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Astros are at the forefront, but every team kind of does it now, and it's been really interesting to see what Bellinger's been able to do. Great day today, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Had a blast. All right, we'll see if those uh, all-star game and MVP predictions come true like they did for Peter Alonzo. Will, thank you very much, man. (laughs) Of course. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Some big thanks to Will Middlebrooks and Tim Doyle joining us to talk about baseball and basketball. I'm going to take you the rest of the way, getting you ready for HQ at the top of the hour with Jenny Dell. So Floyd Mayweather is retired and did so with an unblemished record, although some people, of course, saying the tail end of his career perhaps uh, strategically placed to make sure that record stays intact. But we've got some video that you need to see of him actually taking an L. It happened at this celebrity basketball game, and there's Floyd, number 77. Oh, them ankles. And then he watches from his back. And as uh, you take another look, a bit of a crossover and down goes Mayweather. Very few times, if ever, right, did he ever have an actually in the ring, but he getting it done on the court. So Floyd was captain. Um, the celebrity charity all-star game with Bone Collector there taking care of business, making Floyd look a little bit uh, bad there. Now, one of the other actually interesting stories from that celebrity game, which you did not see there, was that Rob Gronkowski was the captain of the other team. And, of course, there's talk that Rob Gronkowski may come back. The door may be open, that he's been with Tom Brady, kind of at least staying in shape. Look, there's a big possibility, and these are things that I talk to with our NFL guys all the time, with Danny Cannell, obviously, and Pete Prisco, and even from a fantasy perspective with Jamie Eisenberg. It's like, what do you what do you do with Rob? If you're a fantasy owner and, and how do you view his chances of maybe coming? I mean, I could see a scenario, right? Where Rob comes back late in the season just to get a few games under his belt and, and whether the Patriots would say should be in contention for yet another AFC East title. If not, um, you know, a first round buy is something that they will have to do. Now they do have Ben Watson become sort of the, the veteran guy out there. They've got a couple other guys like Matt Lacoste that'll be on the roster. And then that's how. You know, it'll be interesting to see how Tom uses weapons like Julian Edelman and, and you have Inman in there as well and, and Demarius Thomas. We don't know how much more will be part of, you know, how efficient that, that veteran receiver would be coming off of that injury. So it'll be interesting to see, like, is he really going to be retired if the Patriots are up for another Super Bowl? How will that impact his decision? And I think if Gronk, as long as he doesn't go, you know, Gronk Cruz esque and go out and, and, and drink too much and get out of shape, if he stays in shape, there shouldn't be a reason why. Although, if you did watch last year, a shell of himself, not a lot of separation, obviously made the great catch to help set up the game-winning touchdown for the Patriots to win that thing. But from a fantasy perspective, Grunk used to right, right there at number one, if not number two. And if you're looking at the fantasy projections for a tight end this year, it's really Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz and even George Kittle out in San Francisco. So Gronk, you know, we had many weeks where we're talking about Gronk because he's still a top three fantasy tight end, and he just did not produce that way outside of a couple of games against, like, one against Houston and the other against Miami were really the only two that popped for him. All right, moving on now to something else that's, that's a topic that I'm sure we'll bring back when Raj is here, and he will be here later this week. It's sort of this jersey retirement thing and, and whether – there's rules for it, like like a like a blanket thing for depending on sport and league and 
really for me, it kind of comes down to where you are as a franchise, right? So let's just take the NBA for example. So Mike Conley for the Grizzlies, 12 seasons, franchise leader in games, points, assists, and steals, right? Then you got uh, some situations out in Golden State with Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant. Iggy spent six years, former Finals MVP. Katie, just three seasons, two-time champion and two-time Finals MVP. And, of course, the Durant thing is the one that really got a lot of people kind of going, huh? Like, what? You know? And it's interesting because Joe Lacob out there, the the owner of the Warriors, said as long as I am co-chairman, Kevin Durant's number 35 will never be worn. So I'm going to bring in uh, our producer, Eric. So what are your thoughts on, before I give out kind of what I think is sort of the the standard, what are your thoughts on some of these jersey retirement rules? Uh, Longevity is fine. We can reward longevity, but you don't have to be with a team. The criteria shouldn't be you have to be there for 10 seasons and make second rounds and never make conference finals to have your jersey in the rafters. If you're there for two seasons, if you're there for three seasons, and those three seasons are great, they're at an all-time level, retire the jersey. Kawhi Leonard, retire his jersey, Toronto. He won you your first title. He deserves it. It doesn't have to be this longevity thing. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So let me ask you this then, right? So what if, what if, like, because you're a Philly guy, right? So what if, like, Someone like let's just say one of your guys. So it's either Tobias, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons. Probably not Tobias, but he may end up there at some point. Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons wins you one championship, and it's been the first time in a long time. And then they leave. Would you be good with with Philly putting up their number like Ben's twenty five up in the Raptors? Yes. What's what's the goal for NBA teams to win a to title? Win a title right? If a player yeah. is that significant. To be one of the two main cogs to get you that title, retire the number. Like, do you think the Cavaliers will retire Kyrie Irving's jersey? He was there six seasons, was a key piece in that title, left kind of unceremoniously, left not on the best terms, but was a great player, but left. Do you think his number will eventually be retired? I think it will depend on his Nets tenure. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, a guy can only have it in one franchise, obviously, but I think it's who you identify with. I think because like Mike Conley, even though what we think he can do with the Jazz will always be a Memphis Grizzlies, and you were bringing up Zach Randolph's going to get his right. And so when you're a franchise like like Memphis and you spent your time like Vancouver, it's like you just sort of are younger. Get the Raptors in there. You haven't achieved a lot in NBA folklore, so so retiring somebody's number is a little bit easier for that. Now the one thing I will say about Kevin Durant. When that happened, I was totally okay with the Warriors doing that. But I will say there is no situation where his jersey should go up into the Chase Center out in San Francisco before Steph or Clay. It's okay to have KD, never wear 35 again, but there's no scenario where he gets his number put up there before Clay and Steph. That definitely should not happen. Do you agree? Agreed. Should they do Katie separately, but do Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andre Guadalla during the same ceremony because of how significant they were at the same time? Yeah, that would be, yeah, you know, that's a good point you put up there. And it'll be interesting to see if Katie has that as a visiting player. So, you know, something else to talk about. Again, when Raja comes back, it'll be good. I'm going to go change real quick back on the HQ set with Jenny Dell. More HQ coming up.